recent survey showed almost four in 10 employees feel mentally and physically isolated in the workplace. Yikes! Hi, I'm Chester Elton, your host, and I'm here with my dear friend and co-author, Adrian Gostick. Well, thanks, Jess. Yeah, belonging is a human need, and it's critical for our personal success and happiness. So how do we create these tight cultures as leaders? And as an employee, if I'm feeling maybe a little out of things, how do I achieve belonging if I don't feel like I fit in right now? Well, as always, we hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And with us today is our new friend, Beth Kaplan, who is one of the world's leading experts on belonging. Uh, Beth earned her doctorate in learning and leadership strategy from the University of Pennsylvania. She is a trailblazer, combining cutting-edge neuroscience with leadership development to pave the way for a new era of success. We are delighted to have you on the show, Beth. Thank you so much for finding the time. Thanks for having me. Well, Beth, uh, help us first off understanding understand what belonging means. Now, I've I've listened enough of your work to know that you tell a really powerful story and very vulnerable, if I may add, about your own experience when your manager told you, Beth, boy, you do great work. I don't think you belong here. Uh, t- <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So the way I look at belonging and the way I would define it is being part of it. First of all, Belonging, as you mentioned, it's an innate desire, and it's hardwired into our DNA, and it's the desire to be part of something larger than ourselves without sacrificing who we are. So one of the key factors that launched my research, as you mentioned, was a relationship I had with a past manager. I'll never forget going into his office for my performance review. I don't know anyone that loves to go in for a performance review, Um, but he started out real well. He said, you are the best employee on my team but I just don't think you belong here. And hearing that felt like a sucker punch to the stomach. So the thing to note is I ran onboarding for the company. I was the belonging cheerleader of the company. And after, his words had a dramatic impact on me. I fell into a deep downward spiral of self-loathing and doubt. That one sentence made me question everything about himself, myself. So his perception became my reality as I started to carry around the stigma associated with what we call a lack of belonging or thwarted belonging. What are so, the experiences? Uh, yeah, sorry, I mean, keep going. Yeah. Worse, even worse, I, it almost felt like when you're watching a horror film, I'm sure you both know what I'm going to say, right? It almost feels like you're watching these teens go into an abandoned building and you're screaming at the screen. You're like, no, don't do it. Don't go in there. But I did. I absolutely overcompensated for a full solid year just trying to get those gold stars from him. And what that did was it led to major consequences for me. I gained 20 pounds in that year. My hair started to fall out. I was exhausted all the time. When I woke up, I was tired. And I was stuck in this form of pain, which ultimately led me to quitting. So in my exit interview, I told my manager about the impact that those words had on had on me. And what he said was, I don't remember saying that to you. I must have been in a mood. Wow. Wow. So- Yeah. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't think about that manager weekly. And that was many, many years ago. So what really happened was that sent me into such a deep pit of despair. And I started to walk around all these landmines in my life. I disconnected from the team, from the company, from friends. So this impact that work had on me went far, far beyond the workplace. 
This manager who was a once a lifeline for me was someone I no longer could trust. So when I left, I started to find out that my story, unfortunately, is less unique than I imagined. But I could not find information about it on how to start thriving and coping. So I went back to school, got my doctorate. And ever since, I've really been determined to be the one who will help turn this ship around, right, to start to focus on belonging in the workplace and give people normalcy around topics that impede it. That is a remarkable story, an offhanded comment that he didn't even remember. Nope. Uh, a, a, a lesson there as leaders that what you say matters, right? Yes. The way you say uh, things matter. And yet, if you look back, it turns out that it was a bit of a gift because now you've got this yes. cause that you're moving forward with. You're helping so many other people. And and it leads mm-hmm. in, into my question. You've kind of talked a little bit of, about it already, but this idea that belonging at work, how it impacts our overall well-being. You mentioned that all this stuff that was going on at work, you gained weight, your hair fell out, it, 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 it impacted your relationships. Uh, expound on that just, just a little more because yeah. I don't think people really realize that the way you treat your employees ripples through every part of their life because we spend so much time at work. Did I, did I get that right? You, you got it perfect. I mean, so let's put it into more context. For most of history, work hours were based on survival needs and religious traditions and family life. And in the same vein, belonging, which is this critical human need, was historically fulfilled by family and religion and community. Since the 1930s, there's been such a disruption in what gave rise to that attachment of belonging. And consequently, people are now turning to the workplace as a more stable attachment to nurture their sense of belonging, right? We work a lot, a lot of hours, more than any other society. And companies strive to create a sense of belonging because employees with that higher sense of belonging are more engaged, which leads to higher productivity, retention, and higher profits. The sense of belonging, though, is extremely tied to our well-being. A strong sense of belonging is positively associated with happiness and our psychological well-being. So since that need is hardwired into our DNA, when our brains sense social rejection, exclusion, or a lack of belonging, it has impact on us similar to when we feel physical pain, right? I know we talk, you talk a lot about anxiety and loneliness, isolation to name a few, so when our well-being is out of whack and that thwarted or lack of belonging takes over, it's going to create that damage that unfortunately we know takes a good five to ten years to overcome, right? So it's, it's a deep impact. And bringing it back to the workplace, a lack of belonging impacts an employee's well-being. And our perceptions become a reality which becomes distorted, right? Stigma, shame, they all become a, um, really associated with belonging or uncertainty, so the mental and physical pain is is very overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's like an overload of shame hmm. based on your the personal societal things that you can think of. It's really going to undermine like all the woods, the coulds, the shoulds. I hate them. But they all creep in, right? And that starts to eat at us. Yeah, we feel like failures versus, you know, they're <laughs> ostracizing. No, it must be something yes. about yeah. me. So that's kind of what I want to ask next is, okay, so yeah. I'm an individual employee. Um, and I maybe I feel like an outsider or an other in the workplace. So mm-hmm. what do I do? I mean, I mean, you had to leave. And, and yes. some cases, maybe somebody can't or maybe they they want, you know, maybe they want to try and, and fix things before they they do which you tried as well. Um, so what can an individual employee do if they are feeling a little bit outside? 
Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the most important questions I I'm sure you both would agree is as individuals, we always ask ourselves, do I belong here? And in order to really look at that with fresh eyes, it brings us right back to that definition of belonging, which is the desire to be part of something larger than ourselves without sacrificing who we are. So when we come to the realization that we're sacrificing who we are, there's a lot of different paths to explore, right? We can move departments, we can move companies, and the typical go-to move is to quit. And while that sounds great at times, it doesn't necessarily resolve the feelings that we have as an outsider or feeling bad or escaping, right? Because what we are doing is we're experiencing workplace trauma. Recently, someone's asked me if that trauma is the same as some of the other traumas you hear about, like first responders and the things you see. And the reality is trauma is trauma. It's so unfortunately true. Pain feels painful. Definitely at varying levels of degrees, right? But feeling like an outsider is really tough. But the reality is if you don't deal with it, it's going to stay with you no matter what job you go to next. And you mentioned it very well. Quitting, right, is is an option, but it's just not an option for everyone because of that pesky little concept of livelihood, right? <laughs> Most of us need to work to support ourselves and the people around us. But that being said, you can address your hardships and you don't need to stay where you are. You can always look for another job. But before doing that, this is what I'd ask myself if you're feeling like an outsider. The first question I think you'd want to ask, um, is this this story real or is it the story I'm telling myself, right? That's really key. We've got a lot of stuff up there and it gets a little confusing. So you have a story that shapes how you see yourself, how you see the world. It's a story that influences your decisions, your actions, your emotions. But what if that story could serve you better? What if the story is keeping you from achieving your goals and your dreams? You need to make sure that the details you're telling yourselves are real. So if the story is real, you need to ask yourself, why am I feeling like an outsider? Is it something I can get over? Can I address it? I can tell you right now, when I went through the experience with, you know, that pretty bad manager, we'll call him that, um, I couldn't. I couldn't address it with him. It, he terrified me. Every interaction felt like I was tap dancing, almost, like I was trying to perform for him. I could not tell him straight. I often have regretted that, but in reality, I don't know if I'd do it again that way. So the good news, though, is if that story is real and you're feeling like an outsider, you can rewrite it. That's the best thing you need to keep in mind. When all that doubt, that anxiety, that isolation creeps in, you, you're the writer. You know, hit him up with a plot twist or two. Right? So that's what I would say. If you're feeling like your story needs to be rewritten, you need to do it. I, I, this, I'm writing like mad, as I know Adrian is uh, taking furious notes here. Because, you know, we, we write books together and rewriting your story and changing the narrative and that you are the author of your story, I think it's just such great advice. Because so often we do have these perceptions in our hands. Uh, the other thing that you talked about, I know, Adrian, this hit home for you too, is Adrian and I had this experience where we, you know, we couldn't do enough and we worked harder and harder and harder to please people that really, we came to the conclusion, didn't care. You know, they just didn't care. And it did take a physical and mental toll on us. That, that quote, uh, that trauma is trauma, really resonated with me. I remember it was finally my wife took me aside and said, you've got to quit. I don't care what we're doing. We're not doing this anymore because you're turning into a lunatic. No, you're right, Beth. It took years to, to process did. through, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 
Got, it, it's amazing too. It, it does flare up from time to time. But anyway, um, let's get to leaders on this. Yes. Uh, your leader in this offhanded, you know, insensitive comment mm-hmm. caused ridiculous pain for yes. you for, for, for years. So how can you help us understand how team leaders can lead, you know, with belonging and why that's so important in the workplace? Well, there's a few different ways to do that. I think one of the most conscious things that leaders can do is to realize they're not the only person you've been led by. I always like to say the best intro you have when you take on a new team is asking them, what did you like about your last leader? What didn't you like? That provides so much insight. Because when we talk about the influence of leaders, I'm going to tell you that leaders have the biggest influence on our sense of longing at work. I think we all know that, but I'm happy to say I've done the research to prove it out. What's most shocking to people when I say that, though, is I'm not just talking about your current manager. Your past managers have a major impact, right? I always think I speak in number fives, right? Five years of trauma, five years of that. But you carry up to your last five leaders with you. So that's one thing I would think about. Um, The reality is that most leaders in the workplace also receive very little to none when we when we talk about manager one-on-one training right and it takes them way too long to realize that being a leader is not necessarily just telling someone what to do and driving them to a goal it's someone that brings out your best self your best skills your best work and i know you you talk a lot about that leaders are not always aware though of what it it's needed to succeed in leadership beyond numbers and it takes companies and leaders and actually your subordinates to tell you what good leadership looks like. I always like to say leadership is bi-directional. If you think that you're not learning from other people, that's probably your first mistake there, right? So when we think about what the number one thing though that our employees want from their leaders, one of you mentioned it, it's actually care. So care is the number one thing they want from you. So as a leader to lead with belonging, you lead with care. And it's important to understand that care ranges deep. It's not just friendliness. It's care to know more about me, my family, my life outside of the office, Um, care to speak my name in a room where I'm not growing or where there's opportunity I'm not involved in. That's really key there. Um, You know, other things that are top of mind, it's important to make people feel like you're in it together. I always love this experiment. I would challenge your listeners to do it. I absolutely have people come back to me and tell me they've done it. When you see someone that is in a stressful situation, I want you to say to them, we're in it together. And what I want you to notice is their body movement. It changes. The first thing that happens is their shoulders drop. It's just such a powerful thing to do. We're in it together. So other things that are kind of common sense reminders, just being generous with your time, opportunity, um, kindness, But when we talk about kindness, this is another misnomer. It's not just about being friendly. It's thoughtfulness in setting boundaries. It's setting expectations correctly and telling people how you want to work with them and knowing how they want to work with you. So I could speak for days about this. (laughs) Um, I love it. But I think think it was Adrian that had mentioned it's not just a job. It's people's lives and livelihoods and their families. And nothing could be more important than recognizing that as a leader. I love that thought. Yeah, we're in it together. I, it reminds me of my father-in-law once. Uh, he saw, uh, this is a true story. He saw a policeman, you know, he was in a parking lot. A policeman was arresting a guy. And my father-in-law walked over and said, hey, do you need some help? He's like, not that kind of help. Okay, no, that's, we're not in this together. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. What? <laughs> okay, so 
people learn more about your work, Beth? Where would you point them? Um, so you can always go to drbethkaplan.com or there's a belonging work. There's several belonging work groups that I host on LinkedIn and Instagram. Uh, what I love about those groups is people typically come with challenges and they're crowdsourced through the community. It's a safe space. I've yet to hear anyone talk about their managers being in the group. <laughs> I will say several CEOs come and go. It's an interesting forum, but what I love about it is people are constantly popping in questions around psychological safety cool. and just trying to understand how to increase the belonging for the people around them. Well, let me ask one last question before we yeah. uh, we kind of get into our wrap up here. But you, you mentioned a minute ago about rewriting our story. Now, that is, a, I think, if I can push a little easier said than done sometimes, you yes. know, because, OK, maybe I'm being ostracized. Maybe I'm feeling like, you know, nobody likes me here. OK, I'm going to rewrite this. I'm no, I'm I'm great. And, it, uh, you know, it's a little Pollyanna, somebody may say. So walk us through that concept of how that can really happen if I am feeling on the outs. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves provide such a deep insight into our subconscious minds, right? Our fears, our desires, our ambitions. And when we reflect on those stories, we learn so much more about ourselves than we can imagine, what our values are, what's meaningful to us, what's important. So if I'm going to dissect my story, I always start with the woulds and the coulds and the shoulds. What is making me feel less than? That's really important. I, no one wants to feel less than. So I would recommend that people start there, um, is really mapping that out. You know, as we have an experience, we tell ourselves a story to make meaning out of that experience. Sometimes it's with, with it, there's a lot of conflict within ourselves. Um, so we need to dissect that story to see and make sense of it. And in conf conflict situations, that story includes adding judgment or motive to that. So rewriting the story we tell ourselves involves recognizing and challenging the existing narratives and actively working to create a new one. So it's as we talked about before, um, some people call it manifesting, right? They put it out there, this is the story, I'm putting it out there in the world and it's gonna happen. I would really suggest before you even manifest it, you, you take back the narrative. You write it yourself and you make sure that you're the author of that story. Excellent. You know, you've been through a lot and um, we're always interested in people's self-care. Yes. So when you were going through those dips and, and those hard times, did you develop and, and do you continue to have maybe rituals and practices that, that keep you level and safe and, and feeling like you belong? I do. I like to call them belonging moments. Um, there's several times, I'm, I want to say every day, where there's things that take me out of feeling like myself. I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So I know what my, I call them belonging moments. Sometimes it's literally putting music on. Music to me is nostalgic, right? Sometimes I pop on something and I'm like, oh, I remember that song from high school or whatever it may be, or it's a friend's song or whatever it may be. So music to me is a huge, huge thing, right? Um, I also think that travel is a good one. I can't do that as often as I want, but really just being simply aware of what that pattern of self-care needs to look like for me to be to getting back to who I am without sacrificing who I am is really key. Excellent. 
Yes. Love that. Well, Beth, this has been such a great conversation, and I love that you are doing this work, and it's helping so many people um, understand how to fit and where to fit and also helping leaders. So if you had to summarize our conversation today, here's a couple of things I want everybody to remember that you've learned in your work since your traumatic event. Uh, what would you What would you say? If you there's a couple of things to remember, these are them. That's a great question. So number one, first and foremost, if you have to sacrifice who you are, you're most likely not in the right place. Number one above everything. And I think we all feel that, but that's something to deeply, deeply explore. And then, you know, if you think about it, I look at braving the workplace about being, is really about being yourself in a world that tells you not to be. So I think the work tells you that when you feel that you're not becoming your your best self, not just sacrificing who you are, but not the person you want to be, then that's a great moment for gratitude. As as Chester mentioned, you know, I don't love the experience I went through, but I could not be more grateful on a daily basis. Hmm. So leading with gratitude, not just for other people, but for yourself, is so important. Let me let me ask you one last thing because that just yeah. spurred something. Because sometimes we'll talk to leaders now and they'll say, "This younger generation coming in." They are too, uh, they want to be too much themselves. They're, they're, they're disclosing too much. They're, is, there, is there a balance that you try and teach people that, okay, well, well, we're also in a professional environment here. You don't have to tell me about your, you know, your fetish or whatever, right? I mean, <laughs> is, there, is there a pendulum that, that has swung too far sometimes or, or not? Oh, there's absolutely a need for that balance. Uh, while we don't want people to cover who they are, the amount and nature of sharing in the workplace should be balanced and appropriate. So while fostering that open communication and building relationships is so essential for a healthy work environment, it's crucial to maintain a level of professionalism and respect for those boundaries, right? Employees should share all necessary work information and with their colleagues and supervisors. Um, and at the same time, we all know that getting to know your coworkers often means talking about non-work-related topics. But it's so important to set personal boundaries in the workplace, and it's best to keep the topics light and probably non-controversial as well. It's okay. You can answer that. We'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not answering the phone. That's part of my... You know, it's so funny. We've all had that happen, right? We're right in the middle of something, and your phone goes, ah! My worst experience was I was actually at a Broadway play, and my phone went off. It was... Not good. Hey, listen, um, our guest today has been Beth Kaplan. She is an expert in belonging. We've all felt like we uh, don't belong at some point. Tremendous advice. Uh, You know, as we introduced you as a trailblazer, you certainly are. I so appreciate how you took a traumatic event in your life and have turned it into this mission to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been beyond delightful. Thank you for having me. Beth Kaplan, expert on belonging. Boy, I needed to hear just about everything she said. I don't know about you, Adrian. What were your takeaways? Well, as you said, we've we've been through something like this ourselves. So uh, first off, okay, I like this idea that belonging in the past used to come from family, community, religion, etc. Now we spend so much time at the workplace that we expect to belong in the workplace. And when we don't, that causes all sorts of unhappiness, even you know, psychological issues, physical pain, even this is a big deal. Yeah. Trauma is trauma. You know, her hair was falling out. She gained weight. It really does impact. I, I, my biggest takeaway, and we talked about it a little when Beth was here is 
boy, as leaders, be careful what you say. Yeah. Just be careful. And and I know, you know, you have long days, you get tired and you just say stuff and yeah. you may think it's funny or clever or it's a throwaway line. Her manager didn't even remember saying that. Mm-hmm. And yet it caused her trauma for all those years. I loved her definition of belonging, being a part of something bigger than yourself without changing who you are at your core. So important. It is. It is. And so if you're not feeling, I thought this was pretty powerful, too. So if you're not feeling that, first off, do the analysis. You know, is this real or something, a story I'm telling myself? Because so many places where we talk with leaders, we say, look, or, or people we're coaching, it's a, or even younger people coming up. It's like, you deserve to be there. But we all have that imposter syndrome to some degree. Now, a few people who don't, but they're rarities. Yeah, most of us have that little imposter syndrome. And so secondly, she said, can you address that? Or, and then finally, can we rewrite this story? Um, and sometimes you kind of go, ah, like I pushed, you know, ah, that's just Pollyanna. Oh, I do belong. But you know what? If you keep telling yourself, eventually what happens? You start to believe it. Yeah, yeah. Are the details true in that story? Or are yeah. they something you've made up in your mind? And, you know, talk to people about it, talk, talk it through. I love that uh, when she said the best thing that a leader can do is lead with gratitude and lead with care, that people know you care about them. It, uh, The physical reaction, I love when she said, people's shoulders go down, they relax, trust goes up when they know that you care about them, and there's that element of gratitude. Well, I thought that was pretty vulnerable, too, to ask as a leader, what did you like about your last leaders um you know what did they do leaders yeah yeah, five what did you do that they you liked what was what frustrated you what a wonderful vulnerable question to say okay i know how now a little bit more about how this person likes to be led so you know kind of last thought too was you know these questions and we get them a lot you know because people ask us i just don't know if i'm in the right place or not as you know first off if you have to sacrifice who you are you might be in the wrong place. Um, that's some very good uh, good advice. Yeah, that hit home with me too. And her personal practices, find what brings you joy. You know, for her, it's music and travel. Uh, and often I'll find that if I'm not quite in the right mindset, just to get up and get out. Uh, you know, be with people that you, you know and love and, and that know and love you. Well, I took a mountain of notes. Uh, I... I I think this is a topic, Adrian, that everybody can relate to because we've all felt out of place. And speaking of leading with gratitude and saying thank you, we want to say thank you to Brent Klein, our wonderful producer, and to Christy Lawrence, who helped us find these amazing guests. And of course, we want to thank all of you who tuned in and listened in. If you like this podcast, please share it. And we would love you to visit thecultureworks.com for some free resources to help you and your team build the culture where you can thrive. Great. You know, and by the way, Brent, Christy, and you just, you all belong in my So <laughs> I appreciate you. all Thank of you. you hey, and we love speaking to audiences around the world, virtually or in person, on the topics of culture, teamwork, leadership, resilience, all these wonderful things. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your event. And until next time, we wish you the best of mental health. Mm-hmm.